Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the truth of that song. And Lord, we pray that, uh, that we might all of us here, Lord, have in this coming year a closer walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you turn in your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15 this morning. Going to be considering these last few verses here in Exodus 15. We're going to start really at verse 22 and go till the end of the chapter. Exodus 15, verse 22. And Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And they came to Marah. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palms, and they encamped there by the waters. Now, the night, putting this in the context, it all started for Israel on this night, this very special night when they left Egypt, and that was the Passover night. And that was a time which God showed them that they needed to have blood. They needed to have blood on the doors of their houses in order to be saved. And that became for us an illustration of salvation. And then when they left Egypt and they started on this great journey, this journey through the wilderness, which is really a journey with God, that this began a a life for them of learning as they walked with God in this wilderness. And it's like our life. After we're saved, then, then, then we start a journey with God. And when Israel saw how God had destroyed their Egyptian enemies at the Red Sea, when they stood there and they saw those dead bodies wash up, 
And Moses had a song, and Miriam had a song. It was very possible at that point for them to become proud and to think, oh, with a God like this, we'll have no needs in life. He's going to take care of us perfectly from now on. And so what we see in this journey with God as they are going through this wilderness is a constant humbling where God is constantly humbling them on their journey with God. And Moses, in his last book, when he looks back over this, this time when they're walking through the, 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 the wilderness, their, their journey with God, he makes a comment about what it was all about. And he says that in Deuteronomy 8.2, in Deuteronomy 8.2, Moses said, thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. That's the biggest, that was the biggest problem for Israel during those 40 years. Constantly, constantly, pride would rise up. Pride would rise up like a balloon that was inflating and God would come with a pin and burst it. And it was constant. It kept going on and on. That's the biggest problem in our lives. The biggest problem in our lives is pride and arrogancy. And God is constantly, like he did with Israel, so he does with us, he's constantly humbling us on our journey with God. So Israel was humbled right off the bat here. We see in many instances, one of the times was when they came, they had no bread. They had no bread and they were hungry and they had to depend on God and God, he could have put this manna from heaven like he put fruit on the trees where you stand up and you grab a piece of fruit and you grab a piece of fruit. fruit. He could have done it like that. But he chose instead to put the manna on the ground, forcing Israel every day to get down on their knees and collect their food or to bow down, all in an act of humbling them as he said in Deuteronomy 8.16, Deuteronomy 8.16, when it says, God who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do, to do thee good in thy latter end. So then another time Israel found war with Amalek. I mean, all of a sudden, the, the Amalekites come, and they said, these people are from Amalek. And Israel probably says, what's an Amalek? But they found out that, that this was a terrifying group, terrorists really, who would only come and attack the rear of Israel to destroy the weak and the feeble. That's what they did. And it was continuous, and it went on and on and on. And Moses had war with Amalek, and Joshua had war with Amalek, and Saul had war with Amalek, and David had war with Amalek, and there's war with Amalek today. They're called the Palestinians. So Israel found this war with Amalek, and they were humbled again. And they, again, they had to depend on this old man, Moses, going up to a hill and holding out his hands in prayer, who wasn't even strong enough to hold his old hands out and had to depend on Ben and her. Well, now we're going to consider how Israel, on their journey with God, came to these undrinkable waters of Marah. 
And again, it's going to be a history of humbling where they have to depend on God to show a tree that made the waters drinkable. So today I'm going to speak on healing, but it's not what you're thinking. It's not what you're thinking. I'm not going to be speaking about the healing of the body because the soul is more important than the body. And the sickness of the body is only an illustration of the sickness of the soul. Our soul diseases are more important to be healed than our body's diseases. And the worst soul disease, the cancer of the soul, is pride. Now, we see in verse 22 how they came to Marah. That's what it says. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So Israel, when they're coming now, they're not just wandering on their own in the desert there. They're being led. They're being led by Moses, who is, who is being led by God. And they had just come, Israel had just come, as you mentioned here, from this tremendous victory. And it's mentioned here in verse 22, the Red Sea. Great victory. And you can feel the exhilaration in Israel and as they, as, as, and the rise in their step as after the Red Sea, they thought, boy, we're invincible. We, we, we saw the destruction of the greatest army on earth. Nothing can stop us now. We have God on our side. We're unbeatable. And they needed to be humbled. And they needed to be humbled. So here we read, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And he brings them into a place called the wilderness of Shur. And that's interesting because the word Shur means wall. So we don't know exactly how they came, but it gives the idea that they're walled in. It's a point of no escape, just like they were at the Red Sea. And all during that time, they're drinking the last water that they had brought from Egypt. They brought that water in water skins. And as the water begins to run out, they're thinking, we've got to save the water. We're going to come across water soon. We hope. We must. And they become more and more thirsty, and they think more and more of saving the water, and their mouths become dry, and their animals are starting to suffer from no water, and, and, and so forth. So when it says in verse 22, they found no water, that shows they were looking. They kept looking. Each one was looking for, this going to be this river. we got to find this river, this promise of water. It's got to be there. You know, it reminds me, when I, when I was 15, I was part of a group of, of uh, students that were, uh, that were from Colorado Rocky Mountain School, Carbondale near Aspen. And we, we uh, all th- thought it was supposed to make us tough and, and smart, and it didn't do any, either of that for me. I think I was the only Jewish boy there. But anyway, so we climbed mountains every weekend, every weekend. Remember the first one we climbed was 10,000 feet, and I told them they had to send a helicopter to bring me down. But in our last, we, we climbed Mount Council, which was 14,250 feet. Very exciting. Saw Robert Kennedy's signature up there. But anyway, our last uh, journey, uh, trek, was that we were not mountains, but we were taken to the Four Corners region. You know, that's where Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona come together. It's a national park there. It's an Indian res- Navajo Indian reservation. And one group of us was coming from the north. Trucks were left at the Indian reservation camp, uh, the uh, store. And another group, the group I was in, was coming from the south. We came up the Glen Canyon, uh, the Colorado River part there. Left our rafts, and then we were supposed to do this in the middle of the night. In a very, very hot desert, we were supposed to cross each other. And they would take the rafts, we would take their trucks. That was the plan. But the only trouble is, is that 
as soon as we got off the raft and we started to walk in this sand, we, had, we weren't used to walking in sand with, with hiking boots on. We're used to rock climbing. And so I know this is very hard for you to imagine me in this situation, but anyway, days were different then. Um, but nevertheless, we were walking, we were getting tired, and we, we, we delayed. We stayed too, longer than we should have. It got dark too soon, and we lost our way. So they came this way. We went this way. And it was a disaster. And they, we were in canyons, and the Civil Air Patrol was trying to find us, but we were in canyons. Temperatures got up to close to 140 degrees in the canyons. And we didn't bring any water because we figured, well, you know, it's just an overnight thing. And so one girl went into concussions. It was on the Huntley Brinkley show. And my father was thrilled to see that. Anyway, so they asked for some volunteers who, during the day, would, would, walk, would do a fast walk out to get out and, and find, find help, go for help. So I volunteered to do that. And there was, I don't think there was about eight of us. And so I remember as we kept, we, we started off with walking and we went from hill to hill in these canyons. And at the top of every hill, we said, well, now we're going to see the, the store. But we didn't. All we saw was another hill. And we walked some more, and this went on and on and on. That's the way it was in verse 22 here, when it says that they walked for three days and they found no water. Now we're going to see some water. No, but there wasn't. And finally came to the most beautiful sight they could imagine in verse 23, when it says, they came tomorrow. They came tomorrow. What a wonderful sight that was. Can you imagine it? Just to see the waters from the distance, and they thought, oh, now at last we're going to be able to drink, drink, drink from these waters at Mara, and we can just see them running towards the waters of Mara with so much happiness in their hearts, so much anticipation. And they came, and then they found this great, boom, disappointment. In verse 23, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. And with those words, we can feel their extreme disappointment. For they, they thought that their, their, their thirst was going to be over now, that they were going to be satisfied. And then they find, we can't drink this water. And what a great disappointment that was when they realized, we can't drink. That disappointment was unavoidable. Why? Because they were following Moses, who was being led by God. It was not like they, you know, like we, us. We said, you remember when we made that big turn out there? We shouldn't have done that. We should have gone this way, you know. And, and you know, and they couldn't do that. They couldn't, they couldn't say, you know, if only we had turned right at that rock in that fork there instead of left. But they turned this way because they were following Moses. And he was leading them. So it was unavoidable. For them to come to the waters of Mara. And we can hear them ask, you know, why did I come to Mara with these poisoned waters? What did I do wrong to end up at Mara? And the answer was, you did nothing wrong. And, and because Mara lay right in the path of God's leading. They didn't do anything wrong. They were led by God. Just consider the Lord Jesus in the history in Matthew 4, Matthew 4, 1, when it says, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And he fasts 40 days, 40 nights, and afterward he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Jesus was led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted where he found no bread uh, for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, the Lord could have said, 
Why have I been, why am I here in this desert where there's no bread for 40 days? And sometimes in life, we ask the same question. Why did this happen to me? Why, what did I do wrong that I, that I have this great need now in my life? What did I do wrong to have this heart condition? What did I do wrong to have this cancer? What happened? And just be, those are bitter circumstances. Those are like the bitter waters of Mara. And just because we have bitter circumstances in life does not mean that we did anything wrong. Because Mara lay right in the middle of the way that God was leading Israel to. And they did nothing wrong. And we can hear Israel say, why did God let this happen to me? Why did God let me be so disappointed? And, and, and when we see in verse 22 that it was God who led Israel to Mara and the disappointment, God led them to the disappointment of not finding water, then we'll come to fully understand that God led Israel to Mara. And when we understand that, then we'll understand disappointments are God's appointments. We are going to have a lot of disappointments in life. Disappointments are, going, are just waiting for us out there. But God has a purpose, as he had a purpose here, that he will show them God never disappoints. And this is what Israel had to learn. And so when we look at Israel and we see them on this great high at the Red Sea, and then we see them disappointed at the bitter waters of Mara, and then we see them a great high as the waters are going to be healed and they're going to be sweet, then they're going to get a disappointment to find no bread, then they're going to have a great high to have bread rain down from heaven, then they're going to get disappointed with the war at Amalek. And then that's get a, and, and the loss of their weak and their feeble ones. And they're going to have a high of winning the war with, with Amalek only to be disappointed again. And it's a pattern in life. It's a, it's a pattern of life. Expectation, a high, and then a low, a disappointment. And this is what life in the wilderness was like for them. It was an expectation and a disappointment. And it's a continual for Israel, and it's continual for us. We expect happiness and satisfaction in life this relationship is going to be the most, the one of the most perfect harmony. This marriage is going to be this never-ending romance to end all romances. This home is going to be a home of perfect peace and rest. This job is going to be the fulfillment of life for me. This diet and exercise program is going to leave me with perfect health. And this church it's going to be so perfect that I'm never going to hear anything that I disagree with. And this administration is going to fix all the government problems. Many expectations, like seeing the waters of Mara from a long way. But when they came to Mara, all the expectations come crashing down with great disappointments. The relationship ends with a bitter fight. The marriage ends with either an actual divorce or a virtual divorce of two people enduring each other. The home becomes a place of tension and arguments. The job becomes, it becomes, it becomes pressure and drudgery. The perfect health ends in diabetes, heart condition, and, 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 and cancer. And the church, oh, the church, that becomes the place where I get offended. And the new administration, just like all the other ones, lots of promises, nothing changes. That's Mara. That's what Mara represents, the disappointments that come. And the people then murmured against Moses in verse 24. Verse 24, the people murmured against Moses and said, what shall we drink? Verse 24 happens. It's all Moses' fault. 
It's all that other person's fault. It's all the fault of my boyfriend and my girlfriend that this relationship fell apart. It's the fault of my spouse that the marriage failed. It's the fault of my kids that this home's a war zone. It's the fault of my boss who ruined my job. It's the fault of the environment that I get all these diseases. It's the fault of the, all these people that offend me at the church. It's the fault of all these politicians. And this cycle of expectations, disappointments goes on and on, just like the Lord said in John 16.33. John 16.33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And when the people then blamed Moses, which they did, they sinned. And what happened was that the bitterness in the water of Maras made their souls bitter. It was transferred. The bitter circumstances made them bitter, and that was the real problem that they needed healing from. The bitter waters did not have to make the people bitter, but it did. And when the bitter waters of Mara infected the soul of Israel to make them bitter, it was what the Bible calls in Numbers 21.4, Numbers 21.4, where it says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. That's the description. Their soul was much discouraged because of the way. And the bitter waters made them bitter. But God brought them out of the bitterness. Israel, this is not new for Israel. Israel was bitter from the Egyptian bondage. It says in Exodus 1.14, Exodus 1.14, the Egyptians made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brook, all manner of service, all their service when they made them to serve was with rigor. But God healed that bitterness by bringing them out of Egypt. Naomi, as we've seen, was infected with bitterness in her soul because her husband died, because her two sons died, because she was reduced to poverty. And in Ruth one twenty, Ruth one twenty, she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, but call me bitter Mara. For the Almighty hath, hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call you me Naomi? Seeing the Lord testified against me, the Almighty has afflicted me. And God healed Naomi's bitterness by giving her a wonderful daughter-in-law named Ruth, a new family, and a grandson named Obed that she nursed. And others said, oh, she had a baby. Hannah was infected with bitterness in her soul because she was barren. She had no children. In 1 Samuel 1.6, 1 Samuel 1.6, her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. 1 Samuel 1.15, for Samuel 1.15, Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. A sorrowful spirit. I have, not, I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. And God healed Hannah's bitterness of soul by giving her a son named Samuel. 1 Samuel 2.21, for Samuel 2.21, the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Mordecai, Mordecai was bitter over the coming destruction of the Jews. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 